Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the DC Batman podcast with no limits. And we are indeed taking a trip outside of Gotham tonight. Um, we're going to go around the round table real quick. We got Grandpa Batman in Texas. A boot. We got Robin D. Cross in Canada. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm Bat Force Tom in California. And uh, our next guest uh, previously joined us talking about her two issues of Catwoman that became instant bestsellers, went on to multiple printings. Tonight, she's here to talk about two massive projects, a TV adaption of her best-selling novel series, Arena Mode, and most recently announced a comic adaption to the North Valley Grimoire, Miss Blake Northcott. Yay! Hi, guys. Thanks no for having me. Are Thank we talking to back. the real Blake? Ah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> I needed to make sure. I know. There's a lot of uh, kind of imposters running around, guys. I don't know. Got to keep my eye on that. Well, you live this uh, jet-setting lifestyle, <laughs> flying all over the place, and yeah, people want to be you. This that year's been pretty deal. crazy, that's for sure. Yeah. It's been a couple of years. I think, um, when did that, When did those Catwoman issues come out? It was a while ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, they were so much fun to work on. I have to say, like, uh, people still come up all the time and they're talking about Snowflame, which was the best character ever. But they were like in the summer of 2020. Um, but yeah, it was so much fun. And that the, the only bad thing about it is they came out kind of right in the middle of the pandemic. So, you know, when I would be so excited to go to a con and go meet mm. everyone who's reading the comics, you know, cons weren't really you know happening right then so right. that was the only thing that was kind of a bummer but um but yeah it was incredible and so much fun yeah and uh i mentioned the, to a uh, key and Tormi, the artist on those uh he did yes. a great job with snow flame and everything oh he did an incredible job yeah we had so much fun on that um i think we came on once together too and we talked about yeah. them and he was really hilarious he was so fun <laughs> Yeah, that, I can't believe it was in the middle of the pandemic. I'm remembering now. I know. Yeah, that was that was crazy to think that that seems like it's like a different world. It was like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, it was great. I had the best time ever, and um, you know, Sean Murphy did the covers, and I was I was really actually so thrilled at how they became. You know, they sold out. They went into second printings because that's like I guess not as usual for. Um, that's not a number one, right? So, um, you know, for it to, to do so well and to have such a great response, it was amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, for a, a, like a random book in a random, like you said, a random set of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that it was like, it was like a, you got a big pop. Like, um, I remember like having to grab the copy at the shop that I did. And then the guy was like, "That's the last copy we have." I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Do you want? Do you want me to put you down for the second one?" Because I wasn't pulling Catwoman, and I said, "Yeah, please." Yeah. So yeah, 
Oh, yeah, okay. it was a it, it was a hot commodity at the time for sure. Yeah, no, they yeah. Did. They and then were... I flipped it on eBay. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I saw that some people were putting them on eBay, which was crazy. But... Yeah, there yeah. it was a it was a perfect mix because you had like you said the character that you kind of played with um, that was. I think people had a lot of fun with it, with what you guys uh, kind of did with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I think you guys just had a good combo of great artists, great cover. You were writing it. It was just kind of like, you know, magic in a bottle, I think. It was really fun to, to work together. The creative energy was flowing, as you might say. Uh, but CBR, actually, they did an article about the eBay copies being sold, which I thought was really interesting. And people still ask me about Snowflame and, you know, is he going to come back? Is he going to be in a movie or anything like that. And I, unfortunately I don't have any information on that, but that would be really, really fun if it happened, you know, James Gunn, if you're listening, go for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it no, you laugh, but that's the kind of off the wall character that he likes to bring into things. Right. Right. That would be perfect. I'd say do it. Yeah. I mean, so, why but... not? We got a movie called cocaine bear. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, someone messaged me and said, did you see your, your message or sorry, you were in the news something today about cocaine. And I was like, what? So I'm like madly like searching who's saying I'm doing cocaine. What? And it was about a reference to the, the cocaine um, snow flame character, you know, and with the, the new movie coming out for cocaine bear. And I was like, well, that's a weird tie in, but all right. Oh, that was recently. Yeah. It was like last month. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Crazy. yeah, but you you just got back from a, a pretty awesome um, trip from L.A. Yeah, um, and you were mentioning, you know, I, I we weren't sure if we we're going to be able to talk to you about some of that stuff. You know how it goes with the Hollywood projects; things may happen, may not happen. You don't know how far and along in the process are you. But um, we just mentioned in the intro two huge things that uh, have happened since we last had you on. Two big adaptions. Um, so, like, bring us up to speed. What is going on right now with all of that? Yeah, it's it's been kind of a wild year. Like, um, I feel like I did. So, like, we did a bunch last uh, summer of all the cons. So, you know, going to the conventions. And that's where I saw you guys, uh, you know, at the cons, which was so much fun. Um, so I was doing a little bit of a media push because Heavy Metal um, re- released my novel, The Arena Mode, uh, first Arena Mode book out of the saga. So there's three in the series, but the first one is out in Barnes & Noble and Target and so in bookstores. Um, so that is super exciting for me because, you know, it's my my first big novel that went huge and everyone I have so many fans of this series and I've wanted it to do something really special for a long time so I was kind of just waiting for the right opportunity and working with heavy metal studios you know has been incredible so they um you know they optioned it to like get into development so right now we're going through that I can't really discuss too much of that of what's happening but um the novel part I can so yeah so I was doing um, kind of a book tour um to do signings and to talk about you know how we have this expanded new edition that has a new cover by um you know incredible there's incredible new art inside there's spot art there's a new forward so it's a new expanded released edition which Mm. is exciting Mm. so that's out and um that's still in the works and i'm very excited about it 
Um, I hope I'm not saying a boat in a very Canadian way, well, which I know you guys always poke fun at me for. So. No, 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 more, no more Canadian than I say it. I was going to say, <laughs> they're used to it because of Robin, so you're kind of fitting in pretty well. All right. Well, that's all right. I'll, I'll go along with that. But make fun of me. That's fine. I don't care. I've got <laughs> to switch it around anyway. Um, and then, okay, yeah. So then on top of that, my North Valley Grimoire novel, which was um, a big release in 2018. And that was, you know, uh, number one on the Kickstarter um, for Canada's number one Kickstarter books of all time. And it was a number one bestseller on Amazon. And that was really my love is doing these novels where I get to build this crazy world. And, you know, there's so much detail that goes into it. I spent almost two and a half years building this world for it's a magical um, system. So it's so exciting for me that this is being now adapted um, and it's going to be released as a series of comics through Whatnot. And so I've had the best time I'm working with them. So I'll tell you a little bit. It's just a quick overview. It's a CIA black ops division that hunts down magic users and stops the spread of dangerous spells. And one of the agents thinks that the government wants to like weaponize magic and turn it into the next industrial complex. So he's secretly trying to take down the agency like from the inside. Um, so that's kind of the theme of what's going on in the books. It's, I would say it's more like my version of maybe like a 007 type character. Um, I love, you know, spy thrillers and action movies. So it has a ton of all that woven throughout it. And um, yeah, so right now we're working on that. The uh, They have a ton. The thing that, that Whatnot does so well is they really want to push like the variant covers and make it exciting. So I'm having a great time coming up with like marketing ideas and they're, you know, we're working in tandem to get this uh, release coming for, so the first issue drops May 17th. And I should mention the FOC is April 17th. So I'm working on that right now. And oh, so much fun, like variant covers. I, I posted a couple before. I don't know if you guys saw them. Yeah, the like homage covers. The 007 one is sick. Oh, OK. So Sean Murphy did um, like the secret variant cover for it, which turned out incredible. Like, obviously, it's going to because it's, it's Sean Murphy. But, um, you know, it had everything on it that I wanted to to highlight in the book and came out even better than I could have imagined. So mm. I'm so excited about that. Mm. Um, but we did like a big trouble in Little China. Variant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Back to the Future, because I'm such a dork. Like, I love all the retro nostalgia stuff. So, uh, yeah, that gets me. And then the, you referenced a bunch of those movies in the first book, didn't you? With, uh, or was it, um, I'm trying to remember, but I remember in the book, there's something about, like, oh, yeah, this isn't, like, a cool 80s movie. There's no, like, yeah. DeLorean. <laughs> there's no... You know, there's no 007. It's like, it's not that cool, you know, because they're right. high school kids at the time, you know, screwing around with magic. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, uh, and it's interesting because the novel obviously has a lot more detail and, you know, I'm trying to create the world. So I want the characters to, to really like be intense and emotional and everything. But when I'm now trying to take the novel and turn it into the comic series, I'm really having to shift it to more, I would say almost more of like a movie feel. Mm. 
um, like the action is really ramped up and um, it's really fun actually to get to transfer my, cause I know the character so well. So mm. it's really, I hope it does well because it's so much fun to write these characters. You, um, I want to say it was probably one of the last times we had you on, or maybe I heard you saying this somewhere else. I, I think it was like maybe when we were talking at San Diego, I remember you saying something like, oh yeah, I took like, like, maybe I'm blowing it up two years. I, it took me two yeah. years to research this one book yeah. before you wrote it. I'm like, what the fuck? Two years to research for a book you're writing? Well, um, the difference too was because previously my other series was a uh, Rita mode, which is still superhero kind of ish. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like the hunger games um, mixed with superheroes. So when I decided to switch over and do the North Valley series, I was moving to a different genre and I wasn't sure, you know, if my fans would follow me and my writing into a completely different genre. So I wanted to make sure that it was just as exciting and just as, you know, um, you know, characteristic of my type of writing that you would find in the superheroes you would find it as well in, in this new series. So mm. yeah, I took a long time to get it right. And Oh, I just, I love it. I love, it just makes me love action and spies so much. Yeah. So. So one of the things that I, uh, when I was reading that I, that really struck me is um, a lot of the background that you're putting into the program. It, it was a, uh, it's called father. What's oh, the father program? division? Yes. Yeah. Division. And a lot of part, a lot of parts of it. I remember reading and I'm like, I wonder how, okay, and I'm like, I'm, I'm nerdy when it comes to this stuff because I read this stuff. I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like exactly, because what actually <laughs> happened in real life was the CIA was paying for, they, they were using taxpayer money to fund psychic research after all that stuff from Operation Paperclip. We found all the all the files on how, um, you know, our enemies were looking into that stuff. And so the U.S. government was like, is there something, to, is there, are they onto something? Should we do that? And so right. the CIA literally spent money, you know, working with psychics to try to see if we can become psychic spies. And a lot of the stuff that you kind of talk about in the book, I'm like, yes, this is true, actually. No, this is this is yeah. actually true. So it was really cool to see that in the book. I think the, the name of the program you're talking about was MK Ultra. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember reading a little bit about that as well, my research and everything. But there is so much out there that I think, you know, we don't know, you know, I want to say even half, but maybe not even, you know, less than that of what's really going on out there in, you know, what they're investigating. And um, I think that the government actually was into the occult, you know, I think they did have their hand in some of this stuff. So who knows? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a really fun um, kind of like eye opening thing to get to write and explore. You, you kind of go down one course and you're like reading about something and then it leads to like 10 other cool things right and you're mm. just like oh my gosh how much stuff is going to be crammed in this book mm. <laughs> it's a rabbit hole you just go down you know and you get kind of lost in which I love I love that stuff mm. so um anyway yeah so I should mention so um I had a spin-off story that was called um the Omega Artifact and that was um optioned by a studio to be a feature film. So I know Kevin Mackley who's the um actor on The Young Rock who plays Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh. So his um uh production company optioned my um story so that is in um, production with them 
And so when I, anyway, the reason that I went out to LA was Golden Apple is the comic store there. And they yeah. had asked me to come out to do a signing for my novels. So mm -hmm. I was like, yes, I would love to do that. Um, you know, I feel like I do a lot of representation and marketing all the time for comics and stuff, but my novels are sort of like my babies, my, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, my, my heart and soul goes into my novels. So I always love to, I'm always going to, you know, support anyone who wants to help, um, you know, get them out there and get people to read them. And so I was, I was beyond honored to come into the store and it was the craziest thing when I was there too, because the owner of the store was um, this great guy and he, uh, his name's Ryan and he was like, Oh, you know, we might have um, a celebrity come in today. I don't know. We might yeah, just keep your eye out. And I was kind of like, nah, you know, he's just, he's just pulling my chain, whatever. I'm just writing to people and meeting fans and stuff. And then he comes up and says, okay, at the end of your signing, please come to the back of the store. There's somebody I want you to meet before you go. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, you know, getting ready to go. I'm all kind of like rushed and like, I'm going off to my next thing. So I go to the back and there is standing Samuel Jackson. And he's like, I told Nick him you were coming in today and he wanted to know if you could sign him your books. And you get him a couple of copies of your books. And I was like, oh, my God. I'll give him all the copies. Yes. <laughs> what the heck do you even say, right? So this is so funny. So I got my books, brought them over. I'm like, my hand is shaking. I'm like, what the heck do you write to, like, to Samuel Jackson? You're the greatest. Like, what do you write, right? Surprise, so, motherfucker. No, that's not Yeah. Good. Okay. So before I gave him the books, I turned to the owner of the store. And I was like, is it okay if I, like, get a selfie with him? Like, is that all right? And Samuel Jackson turns and looks at me and goes, why are you asking this motherfucker? I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, am I in Pulp Fiction right That's now? It's <laughs> crazy. I, it was I saw you post that selfie and I thought, is, wait, is, is that really... Is that a yes. lookalike? Is, is that him? That's really him. It's really him. He's That's so, so funny. Cool. He was so funny. So down to earth, like just asking questions about the books and stuff. And oh my gosh, that was like crazy. Amazing. So what did you write in his book? Oh, I was thinking about doing something really like cool and saying something about like a Royale with cheese or something. Yeah. Funny Does he look like a movies. But then I was like, so like shook up that he was watching me do it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm probably going to spell it wrong. So I just put like to Samuel, you're amazeballs. Like, like I couldn't think of anything to do. It wasn't cool or anything. But... Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That was um, was it the same trip that you went backstage for the evidence <laughs> show and signed for signed their comic at their yes. show. So the other thing I've been working on this year, which has been absolutely so much fun is I'm working with Amy Lee, who is the lead singer from Evanescence. And so we did two stories together over the past, I'd say, year and a half. Okay. Uh, and I got to work with Abigail Larson and Sia Um, who are the most incredible female team of artists. And we had a blast. Um, so Amy had messaged, you know, and said, oh, I'm going to be in Toronto for like one night. I'm uh, doing a tour with Muse and we're coming Holy to shit. And I was like, oh, my God, can I, like, I would be, so, I would love to meet you or, like, just even, like, can we just do a little signing or something? She was like, yes, let's do it. So she was so gracious, so amazing. She invited me to the show, invited me backstage to come meet her and the entire, um, you know, the entire band and hang out with them. And then they had, we set up a little signing and we got to chat a little bit and have some drinks together. It was so amazing. And, you know, you think like 
oh, she's she's the head of a rock band. She's got, you know, a million things to do and a million people to to chat with. But it made me feel like so welcome. And well, she made me a drink. She went behind the bar and made me a drink. I was like, how can this girl, she's just being <laughs> in front of 100,000 people and she's making me a rum and Coke. Like, this is insane. So bucket list check. Did, uh, <laughs> you know, like. You, you got to see her show? Like, you got to see them perform and then hung yes. out with them after? Yes. She's like, come to the show. I want you to see the show because, obviously, I'm a huge fan. I've been listening to Evanescence forever. And I was like, yes, I'd love to come to the show. Can I bring my friend Sam Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do your kids think you're cool yet? Or are they no, just, I, yeah. this is so funny you mentioned that because <laughs> that was my daughter is 16 and she doesn't really know who they are. Like she's heard of the band, but she's not. Watch, like, the, watch the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Then she would know who they are. Right. So she thought it was cool that I got invited backstage to a band that performed at Scotiabank Arena because she went to see like SZA and like a bunch of cool, <laughs> like you know, bands and stuff there. So um, she thought that was neat that I got invited backstage. But my son, this is so funny. I interviewed um, someone in 2014 when I was working at CBR Man Cave. Okay. I had done a couple of interviews with like WWE and kind of like UFC fighters. (laughs) I found a copy of this interview that I did with um, Alistair Overeem. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And this was like this right before i guess he got really really big kind of so like but i got to do like a zoom chat with him so you could see my face and him answering my questions and stuff and i found this and showed my son because right now he's um a yellow belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu and he studies um grappling and judo and all this stuff so he is he's amazing anyway and he found out that i had you know, done this interview, and he's like, "Oh my god, you're the coolest mom ever!" <laughs> this interview, right? So I just showed him yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alistair Overeem is a big deal. Like, uh, you know, everyone knows who Brock Lesnar is. Uh, yeah. Alistair kicked the shit out of Brock Lesnar in this. Yeah, he actually showed me that that fight again because he's like, "Look at this, mom. This is why he's so famous." He beat <laughs> like, the shit. He beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar. Yeah, still well, hurts me to funny. see that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just yeah. randomly going off on weird story tangents. No, right that's now. why. <laughs> this is the best part of it. Nobody's nobody's listening for us. Well, um, that, that question just dropped in there because it was so funny yesterday that happened, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So cool. Did you get to see any of Muse while you were there? I did a little bit, um, wow. but we were kind of like backstage still hanging mm. out with them when they came on, so I missed, you know, about half of them, but um, – Oh, it was a great show in Toronto. I mean, it's a great crowd, and it, I haven't been to actually to a concert in a while, so that was really fun uh, just to get out and do that, and obviously to go hang out with a, a rock star. That's my everyday yeah. life, guys. You know, that's a that's a massive tour because Muse Muse is like yeah. one of the biggest rock bands. Like, oh yeah, they are. they're they're massive. So the a co head was it a co headline or were they opening for Muse? I think they were op- the opening band. Yeah, that's, that's so. Because how big Evanescence is, slash is and was, like they're opening for people, that's still crazy. I know. Yeah. Um, wow. They had, they had a big year too, I think, because they had their new album come out, The Bitter Pill. And then um, some of their songs were back on like iTunes to be like number one. Like some of their, you know, hits from a long time ago were coming back again as number one. So, I mean, I guess they're having a great great time yeah. right now it's you know it's crazy how social media does that like tiktok right now 
if yes. a TikTok song gets used and if that video goes viral, that artist will immediately have a resurgence. Like, Great. so if Evan, if someone put in an Evanescence song from like 15 years, dude, have they been around for like 20 years, haven't they? I think. Yeah. Um, I think so. Close to it. Yeah. So if, if they put like an Evanescence song on it, some 12 year old does a little dance and they have an yeah. Evanescence song on it. Like, it's like, oh, hey, like we're selling records again, like crazy. Yeah. You know, it's wild how it works now. But it's interesting, too, because, you know, now she's had 20 years to, you know, hone her skill and her craft of like, you know, playing the audience and her voice and everything. So when you see her in concert, it's not like watching someone who's just learning like she's a master at like, you know, getting the crowd riled up and, you know, she knows what she's doing on stage. So it was really exciting for sure. Where did you get to see it? Like from the side or from the crowd? Um, I was like. Not on the floor. I was up to the mm. side, but right, right where she's walking up and down, like that track that runs down the middle. Oh wow! Um, I don't know what it's called there, but but the Scotiabank Arena. I mean, they, it, I think it said it held like one hundred and fifty thousand people or something, and it was packed. It was so busy, so yeah. it was really fun. I would definitely say go see it if anyone wants to see them in in concert. Like, wow, incredible. Wow. So are you hinting that your next novel is going to be about a rock star band that <laughs> That sounds like a great idea. Fights in the Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> the CIA investigates. That's the mm. idea. Yeah. Um back to the comic adaption of yeah. uh South Valley, or North, North of South Valley. That's the that's the spinoff. That'll um, be the spinoff to South Valley Grimoire, yeah. yeah. So what not speaking of blowing up, um I remember, I can't, you know, maybe a couple of months before San Diego Comic-Con, seeing what Whatnot kind of was, and like, okay. Yeah. And then immediately just, it's blowing up, it's blowing up, it's blowing up. Like, people are doing Whatnot thing. Like, they're doing, like, Whatnot auctions on the San Diego Con floor. And, you know, anyways. Um, how? So, they have a publishing department now, so they're going to make, these are going to be physical comics. Yes. So, okay. Whatnot um, Publications is part of the the whatnot structure, but it is run by Massive um, Comics, and so they are like you said. I wasn't even really like aware the level that they're like exploding until I started going to cons, and I was like, oh my god, like their booth is insane. Their booth mm-hmm. size and everything they're doing there, people are jumping and going crazy for their merchandise and running up because there's all these interactive things you can do at the booth. Um, and it's just so exciting to see like how they're, you know, moving into so many directions and, uh, yeah, so we, we had had a good time at, so in New York is where I got to meet them first off. Cause I was there with heavy metal and we were announcing, you know, they're working together. So I had a great chat with the owners and, um, we actually chatted too at the party. I don't know if you heard about the party that was happening in New York. Um, so you know, at the cons, there's always like one or two really big parties that people are talking about going and um, they're like the industry people are are there. And the big party in New York City this year was whatnot. And it's so funny because I was I was going I was like with with a bunch of people from heavy metal and I was at the door and they were like, oh, until everyone is here, you're not allowed in it has to be like it's very particular on the guest list and as i'm standing there this other person comes and tries to like sneak in and there was like bodyguards at the door like pushing people back 
Um, so I decided just to go to this bar next door just to wait until my whole party arrived. And then we were going to go in together. So as I'm sitting there having a drink, just waiting for my friends, I hear all these people at the bar saying, oh, did you get into the whatnot party? Could you get in? No, I couldn't get in. They turned me away. And then this other guy found out I was going and asked me if I could sneak him in to the party. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on with this crazy whatnot party? Like people are trying to sneak in and they're all talking about it. So, you know, finally I ended up going in and it was really, really cool. I hadn't been to anything like that in New York before. Um, it's like three levels in this crazy industrial warehouse. Like the top level had its own party going on with like cool installments of stuff set up where you could go and like look at all the neat things like inside like these glass kind of um, containers. And then there was a huge party on the main level that had... Um, like big projectors that were projecting stuff all over this, all the side of the walls and all over everything. So everywhere you looked, it looked like you were seeing like laser beams and stuff shooting through the air. There's like a DJ, there's bars, there's people partying everywhere. Then there's these stairs that go down this like roundabout thing. And in the basement, there was another party happening downstairs. So it's like three separate parties all in this one massive building. It was crazy. Um, Anyway, yeah, they're they're on fire right now, and I'm super excited to be working with them. And um, yeah, so we're doing uh, the the issues come out, and the first one, like I said, is going to be dropping May 17th. So um, yeah, just stay tuned for more. I'll be I'll be posting up, you know, like reveals and covers and stuff like that on my Instagram and Twitter, and I believe they're reposting it and stuff. So it's exciting. I'm I'm having a great time working with them. Yeah, the first time I heard about Whatnot, I think it was from them doing, like, the, the live stream comic sales. Was that what they began yes. with, and then everything came after? I believe so. I don't know exactly, like, the order of how it all happened, but the live stream, I think they're doing something really different. That just, it's like a new marketplace, right? It's like mm -hmm. a new, exciting, fun way to be interactive, <laughs> And especially, you know, coming on the heels of COVID where people were kind of like inside in their homes, you're wanting to connect with the world, you're wanting to buy things, you're wanting to be a part of the, um, the, the process of like putting the whole thing together and the sale of it. So I think that all of those elements just really came together at the right time. And it just like exploded. Mm. Um, yeah, because I know they do collectibles and they do like all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I, I can't remember what... I know the reason I heard of it the most was because of comics. You're right, they they yeah. do do like other collectibles, but I think what most people gravitated towards eventually and jumped onto was the comics because um, what, what started happening is um, comic creators started getting involved mm -hmm. and started putting out like sketch covers or, uh, you know, like certain signature series or whatever that they were only doing on Whatnot. Or they were auctioning off like original artwork, and the, because it was so new at the time, not too many people had jumped onto it. So people were getting like insane deals oh. on like sketch covers from like, for example, um, our buddy um, um, Ben Templesmith. I'm like forgetting his name. So buddy, don't know his name. Ben Templesmith uh, actually at San Diego, he had somebody with him, and uh, 
he was telling us like we were we were talking to him and he was like oh yeah i'm doing this whatnot auction blah 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 and i was like oh yeah man whatnot like now you guys now you're jumping onto it and his buddy was with him and his buddy's like yeah, i don't know about that what's the big deal and ben templesmith is like pitching his like friend who's also a creator on like dude it's like a direct way to for you to auction off something to fans like you invite your fans give them a link they all come in and it's like you know it's just kind of spreading awareness and stuff like that and but I mean, it's it's gotten bigger now but like i said at the time i remember seeing like people coming away with like crazy stuff for yeah. like you know way less than you'd be able to you know get at a convention or something like that it's probably not that way anymore but um, now that it's like blown up, but it was, I remember that's why it was getting so much traction is like, oh my God, like there's so many cool things you can get from, you know, really cool creators all the time, you know? It's like the home shopping network for geek mer- merchandise and like, yeah. you know, all the fun stuff. And I think this began in like China and Korea and they kind of copied this model, um, but it's taking off and, you know, it's really successful. And I think people really enjoy it. They enjoy the experience of like getting to like see the people that, that, that create the comic and, you know, they're talking about it. They're excited about it. You get to hear why they're excited about it. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's fun. It was, uh, I guess, helpful for certain comic shops too, especially like you said, during the pandemic when they, people can't go into a shop. So yeah. this was a way of getting stuff to the people. And, um, you know, they're doing it every day, like live claim sales every day. So the potential for them to make money was, was really big and, and helpful. So, yeah, uh, but it's really cool to hear, like they're doing like comics now. Yours is, I think the first one that I saw that it's like, Oh shit. Like they're doing like real comics now. Well, they did. Um, they've had a couple that have went pretty big. Like they had a massive one with Wesley Snipes called Exile <laughs> that just came out and sold incredible copies. And, um, you know, they had a bunch of covers, really cool covers. And I was uh, meeting with them in New York when they were selling that comic. And I couldn't believe how many people were coming up and saying, I just want to buy like, you know, 30 copies of this. Whoa. Like, I mean, like 40 copies of this, like all the, or all the foil covers. I want all the foil covers. Like this one guy just came and bought like 60 of them. At the so I was like, wow, like people are really loving this. So mm. yeah, they're just doing a whole bunch of different things. It's cool when it's something, you know, new that not a lot of people have jumped on or it's like, it's, you know, it's, you get to be a part of something new and fresh yeah. and, uh, it's, it's also cool because it's not usually, it's not always like one of the big two, right? So people get really into that. If it's like indie stuff, people yeah. really like, you know, blowing indie stuff up or helping to see where it goes. And I love the uh, idea of all the variant covers. I mean, it's for collectors and for people who are really interested in, you know, the different styles. Um, they do sketch covers. They have variant covers. They do a lot of nostalgia covers, which I'm so for, you know. There's <laughs> one we did that was even like a throwback to Goldeneye, um, you know, over like the video games and all the different. Like, you can just be really creative. I love that. Yeah. Um, when did you? When did you kind of know that uh it was like with 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 this with this adaption was it always like whatnot that you were gonna go with or were there other kind of things that you were like and eh, we'll see and then essentially you got you know it was whatnot that kind of you went with where, where did you like realize where it was gonna go well um the novel did so well and i was Wait, but let me just say because you really undersold it um Correct me if I'm wrong. It was it was it the, this novel that was the best selling kick, like the fastest, most backed Kickstarter of all time. 
It was Canada's number one kickstarted book of all time. That's insane. Um, and it was a number one bestseller on Amazon in a couple of categories. Um, but the thing about the, so, okay. Yeah. Your question was really interesting because I had done it in 2018 and I was waiting for the right opportunity to be able to get it out there in another form. Right. So I had actually had other um, companies come to me and ask if I would sell the right or if um. I'd be willing to like, you know, give it away. And because I already was adapting um, arena mode, I was really particular about holding on to this property because I was waiting for the perfect opportunity to come around where I felt like it was going to give its due so that everyone could really jump on board. So like people who are coming into, um, you know, wanting to get into the series, you don't have to read the book to understand what's going on in the comic. Um, you know, I'm doing, I'm basically like adapting it. So it's going to be for newbies who just are jumping on board and they want to like really dive into everything. Um, you don't need to have read like a novel to get this comic. <laughs> so it's, that's the fun part, you know, like there's in my mind, I'm a very, what's the word cinema. I guess somebody said it before I was a cinematic author, like the way I write certain scenes, you can almost picture it as a movie or a screenplay like in progress. So I'm trying to lift that from the page and use that um, as my blueprint for um, writing the comic series. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's something that I loved about the book is just your style of description, your style of painting a picture for the reader mm. is it's great. Like you're not because there's so many authors who are like are up their own ass about like being like overly wordy and overly like they're wanting to romanticize the description so badly but you're great with like you paint a great pic like i could see it easily you know well, that's and, nice yeah you could tell that it's like god blake is so fucking full of herself no it's like it's not, it's not <laughs> that's not the way you write you you write in a way that you want to get to the action you want to get to the plot you're you're fleshing out the characters and you're not doing it in this like over saturated way so it's really it's really nice to, and it's also cuz as i was reading it i made the mistake of forgetting that it wasn't necessarily for a young adult i mean it could be but it's way more badass and it's like the when i'm reading some of this stuff especially part of like you know like you know spoilers like death scenes and stuff like that yeah. some of that shit was graphic i'm like jesus fucking christ like this isn't for little kids like this is for like this is cool this is for grown ups you know yeah. yeah yeah the um the novel i would say is a little bit more graphic um in terms of the descriptions and things like that and you know with the the comic i mean i'm allowed to show like guns and like fun cool things explosions and stuff like that but it's not going to be like a rated r comic by any means um but there is a ton of badass stuff. It's like when you watch, um, I would say, like a 007 movie. You know, you see, like, everything happening, but there might not be, like, gory bits or whatever. Um, but it is very, like, it, it is adult-themed, and it is more um, of a, I would say, like, a higher end, maybe, like, low-rated low R, maybe. <laughs> but there's no, like, like nudity or stuff like that. But, but no, it's going to be, like, badass. And it, this is my take, I, like I said, on 007. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's this is my, my chance to kind of just get crazy with it. And I'm, I'm leaping in. So it's going to be epic. I'm so excited for everyone to see it. How many, um, how many of the issues are you already done with? So 
the um i've got to get the dates here right so the foc is april 17th and the first comic oh. comes out may 17th and for anyone that doesn't know foc is oh, comic shop code for final order cutoff right so the final so that, that's the date that you need to have let your comic shop know uh books that you want to have to make sure that they ordered enough for you to get it right um, so do that right now if you're listening. <laughs> do it. Put it on your pull list. It's going to be a six issue though. So um, the first one will come out in May, and then you know basically like every month after. So um, and I'm hoping they you know if it does well. There will be more maybe in the series, and uh, I'm very excited about it though. Very cool. How how did you find having to um, make the pacing more succinct? Was that a challenge? Because you, you went from having a really nicely fleshed out uh, novel to then, like you said, you know, wanting it to translate well visually, but also like, you know, how much of the story am I able to put in? How much do I have to kind of work around? You know, how did you find that as you were going along? Um, well, cutting down is always a challenge, um, especially when you're going from obviously like a novel, full novel to, you know, comic has limited real estate. So, you know, you have to think about which elements are going to be the most compelling and um, getting full chapters across in four or five pages. I mean, it's really tough. And I did have to sacrifice, um, you know, a couple of subplots and, and a little bit of world building had to be cut, but, you know, not too much that it wouldn't make sense or anything, but I just didn't want to be like harping on anything for too long. And also you have to remember, like I'm really leaning on my artist a lot to mm. be telling one story visually. Right. So um, I'm trying to do that, but then also I'm replacing a lot with more action and more, you know, faster, let's say pacing and keeping it super quick and, and fun to read. So that's my kind of goal. And I should mention my art team that I'm working with. Um, Giuseppe Cafaro is my um, penciler, the interior artist. He's incredible. Um, and he is just amazing. Like I'm asking him to do certain things and he, he'll whip it back to me like the next day and be like, is this what you meant? And it like blows my mind. I'm like, yes, this is exactly <laughs> what I meant, but better. Right. Um, and Brian Valenza is the colorist and I've worked with them previously. Um, we did um, stuff together for heavy metal. We did a sign up story and I've also worked on another um, project with them that I was working on last year actually for a graphic novel that I did with them for um, a female pirate story which is super fun so anyway they are an incredible team and we're just having a great time doing it but I'm like rambling I forget what was your question <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just want to know I just want to know how do you come up with all these stories I mean you've got to have a huge imagination but I mean I'm just amazed whenever a writer can write a story in, in this genre and then they jump over to this genre and now they're going to this. I'm just amazed. How, how do you do this? I don't even know. I think you just, uh, <laughs> just like do it. You get a, an idea or something that's like in your brain and it just won't go away. And, you know, when you're thinking about the same idea over and over again, I find that's those are the best ideas. Because if, if you can't let it go, it's something that you really see potential. You see, you know, what it could be. 
Um, but I also try to bounce around and I read a lot. I mean, I'm watching TV and film, um, reading and also try to see different things, you know, different genres. So I try to like go between watching like comedy and then action, drama, Westerns, you know, like mixing it all up just so you get a good overview of all these different storytelling techniques and, um, the basics basically in all the different genres and they all lead to different ideas. Right. So, um, I guess that helps maybe shake things up in your creativity a little bit. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. If, uh, if you had to pick between, you can only write one genre for your next topic, what would the next one be? You mean for, if I had to do like a next novel? Yeah. Definitely a spy book. I would do like a regular spy thriller mm. for sure. I'm really deep down to the spy stuff right now. <laughs> mm. So yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. It's uh, it's fun because a lot of it could be based on like actual crazy stuff that's happened, you know, yeah. like actual um, spy, spy warfare that like countries engage in, which like, you know, things get declassified like 30 years later and you're reading this stuff. And you're like, Oh my God, we did that. Like, that's insane. You know? And yeah. it's, it's wild to, to think of, um, but like the psychological warfare that's going on, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the concept, I guess, too, that I like to play with is, um, you know, always to, to blur the lines a little bit about whatever genre I'm working in. I mean, maybe no magic isn't real, but what if it was, you know? And how would the government handle it? And what would this lead to? Kind of those type of questions. Mm. When you keep, um, you know, going down that road and asking yourself, well, what would happen if XYZ happened? Um, I think it leads to a lot of interesting ideas and world building and um, coming up with a concept. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. One of the main characters uh, loves conspiracy theories and, uh, a lot of the stuff that she like thinks of or worries about actually has a lot of truth to it and mm -hmm. kind of drives some of the plot sometimes. What would you say is your favorite or most interesting conspiracy theory that <laughs> that tickles your fancy? Oh gosh. I'm gonna sound like such a nut. I mean, there's so many that are like big ones or little ones. Um I mean obviously aliens to me. Like, people have seen UFOs around the world. Um, you can only, you know, there's so many uh, galaxies and solar systems out there. How can you, you just think, like, how can we be the only planet with, like, sentient life on it? When there's billions of other stars and galaxies out there, right? Mm -hmm. So, for me, aliens would be a huge, like, it just, it seems like they just have to exist. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's what's once you start reading about aliens and you go you go too far down the rabbit hole like I have, <laughs> and uh, you start worrying your family and friends. Yeah. Um, the coolest part is you realize what they actually are, or what they're more than likely are, which is not from another galaxy, because the science and travel behind that are just too difficult, regardless of what it, what it is. But they're interdimensional in like possibly an alternative timeline oh, no, or dimension <laughs> overlapping ours. What? <laughs> yeah, you see that? Yeah. See? yeah. So you don't sound like the nut. Like but then I you do. have to define what's a dimension. 
Uh, could you could it could be this plane that we live in, this three dimensional plane, um, which if you think about it, if you consider all the different dimensions that the possibly all were very limited to our uh, five senses in this three D reality. I mean, just this broadcast and this recording right here is a dimension, right? True, it is. Yeah, so this yeah, is. A good, and I'm this, outside this dimension, but I can see myself in this dimension. The, you know what, Gramps? Absolutely, this is the perfect analogy for what UFOs are. So imagine we're creating this broadcast right now. People are listening to it. We're not in the broadcast, but we are creating it. We're outside of the broadcast creating what the listener is listening to. So UFOs are actually from a different dimension that are going into the broadcast and, and kind of altering it. And all we're seeing is like the finger from like the insert, wherever it's looking at. There's something else controlling it from behind the scenes, which is the scariest part. The only flaw with that whole thing is no one's listening. So aliens are <laughs> podcasters. Yeah, aliens are podcasters. Yeah, podcasters. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm an alien. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Um, you know what? What trips me out, Blake, is like you are so busy, but you're also like so positive and so happy, and like you never seem like upset or bitter. You never seem like you're having a bad time. Even like hopping onto this, like you're like, oh my god, like, uh, but you're in a good mood. Like, how do you keep from burning out, or do you burn out, and you just have a really good way of not showing it because you're so busy? Um, thank you. This is a compliment. I don't. Um, I think it's because I am honestly my secret power is that I'm a mom, and that is my first job, and that is my best job, and my love of my life, my kids. And, you know, when, when I'm dealing with their stuff, um, it's like everything else just kind of falls away, like isn't important. So, you know, I just don't get into the drama of whatever is going on in social media or whatever. I'm trying to just be a positive person. And um, I don't know, that's just my general like outlook on life. I think I do have bad days. I do get tired. Oh my gosh. Like, I told you coming in here, I was exhausted. I have problems like everyone else. Believe me. Um, I have a really good support system around me though. And I feel like, I don't know. I just really am a positive person because I had a really crazy couple of weeks, like with family stuff, just like everybody else has. And I'm taking it day by day and I'm, you know, venting and I'm doing all, I didn't sleep very well last night, but it's like, yeah, this stuff happens. This is part of life, and you just suck it up, Buttercup. Keep going. Mm. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just don't. Speak. I don't feel like other people need to hear about it because they have their own dramas. Like you know, there's that that meme where they're talking about everybody is going through something you know nothing about. Everyone has mm. their own little war, their own little thing going on that's in their life. So just be kind. Like just try to be a kind, happy person, and yeah. Most yeah. of the time, the drama I go through is with, like, you know, I'm raising teenagers here. Like, let me tell you, it's not yeah. easy every day. <laughs> yeah, like, not. it's funny because we do, like, we think you're totally cool. But when you have teenagers, it's it's completely different. Oh, yeah. Like, but it I seems like. I'm humbled by my teenagers. <laughs> let me tell you. They, they seem to enjoy, at least from the surface, spending time with you, though. Yeah. 
But I forced those pictures on them. I mean, I, <laughs> no, I don't know how cool that is. A couple okay. of times I've heard, Mom, like, my son really doesn't like it as much. So I try to just do it when he wants to. And, okay. you know, my daughter's a little bit more outgoing that way. So I'm okay with S.H.I.E.L.D. I'll I ask her now, is it okay if I post this one? And uh, she'll say, well, not this one, but maybe that uh-huh. one. You know, very, yeah. like, you know. Okay. I'm, yeah, because, mindful. Yeah. I'm mindful of it. I think as as long as you can show one picture of them looking happy and not minding be around being around you, that's kind of a parenting win, I would say. Yeah. Like yeah. if your kids don't absolutely hate being around you, that's you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. And I think the good thing too is they can see like I used to have a job um where I worked for twelve years in insurance before I got into writing and I wasn't happy then and I feel like I'm getting to live my dream right now. And that's part of what makes me so happy. Um because I've done the other thing. I've I've done the rat race. I've worked in a thing that I hated every day and I'd never want to go back to that type mm-hmm. of job. Like I love what I get to do right now. So why wouldn't I be happy about it? You know, I just want to yeah. do that. You're also doing things like the stuff that you're making. It's all it's uh, it's your stuff. It's not yeah. like owned by anybody. It's not you know. Um, you you have had the opportunity though to work inside of like the big two, quote unquote. Um, do you still have any motivation or any ideas that you feel like you haven't scratched yet, like an itch you haven't scratched to maybe at some point one day if the opportunity arises, like. Um, do something in one of those uh, with one of those companies? Oh, for sure. I love working on existing IPs. Um, That was great. And there is definitely um, a a thrill when you get to work on a character that other people recognize and love, right? Mm. Um, But I don't have a bucket list of like, oh, I really have to do this character or that character. But I do have an announcement coming um, pretty soon, something pretty pretty big, which I'm excited about, which will be really fun. Um, and it's not one of my IPs. It's it's with a, another company. So um, I can't wait till I can announce that. That'll be fun. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love working on... Um, Oh, yeah. And the the character that I'm going to be writing, it, I will say this, it ties into a film announcement. So that's part of the reason why I'm really excited about it. So, okay. That, that, that kind of limits it down. When is this film supposed uh, to be coming out? <laughs> I can see the wheels turning. <laughs> I'm not going to give any more hints because then I'll going to, you know, do something I Check should. release dates to, to, by process of elimination. Yeah. Yeah. But um, another thing that uh, I wanted to ask you about, and maybe this ties into how you do such a good job of uh, staying positive and bright. You're like a Disney freak as far as going to the parks, right? So you just came back from Disney World again? Yes, I love Disney World, Disneyland. I actually, for the first time ever, I, I just like theme parks too. Like I just, I just went to Universal in Hollywood, which I've never been to before. Um, and it was so cool because I got to do like the studio ride, you know, like that studio tour. Oh, the tram, yeah. Yeah, the tram ride where you get to see like all the stuff. And I thought that was really fun. Um, but yeah, I do love going to Disney. Uh, it's been such an, a wonderful experience actually to, to go with the kids because, you know, you get to see it from their point of view. And um, I just feel like it's so fun and... I get to relive, you know, being a kid. It makes you feel like a kid, you know? Mm. And, uh, yeah, and I did, oh, this time I got to do a really cool thing. I did my first ever private 
VIP tour at Walt Disney World, which I've never done before. Oh, with like the little guide? Yes. You know, where they keep you behind everything and you get to like go on all the rides you want. They walk you right onto the ride and they show you stuff that's going on behind everything, which I never had seen before. Oh my gosh. That was incredible. So a lot of, a a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Do they still um, make you have a certain amount of people in a party to do that? Um, I don't know. I just did it like with my family, but I think it said you had, you could have up to like 10 people. Holy crap. Um, because they, they drive you like to each park, right? So they have to be able to fit you into the, like the van or whatever. So I could imagine it wouldn't, it couldn't be more than 10, excuse me, 10 people. This was the, this was the Orlando. Yes. Walt Disney world. It was so fun. What's your favorite park out of all those? I went on the new ride in Epcot, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, and it was epic. I have to say, I'm not a fan of, like, thrill rides usually. Like, I don't like the ones that go upside down. But this one goes in, like, it's very smooth, and it goes in, like, circles, I want to say. And I can't explain it except it feels like you're kind of, like, hydro gliding like it's not bumpy or anything like that so and the music is incredible there's like six different tracks so when you go on you get one of six songs every time you go so it's so funny to hear the people in line going what song did you get last time and what did you get and you know so you're always waiting what song am i gonna get um but that was my favorite ride i think epcot is is right now i'm leaning towards that's my favorite park because i love getting to like try all the food and see everything and um, the rides are really good, and I don't know. I really like Epcot. I uh, last time I went, I loved walking around the park and then seeing. There's like bachelorette parties. Oh, yes. There's like like graduate like graduation parties. There's like retirement parties, and people are just going around to every different land yes. and trying a different drink and just getting smashed. Drinking your way around Epcot is like a yeah. thing. it's a thing. Like, a, you can do it. Yeah, I don't know what it's called, but they do that. Like, a pub crawl kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. Like, if you, after about noon, like, you know, a couple hours after, you know, noon, around two or three, it's just funny to people watch. Everyone you'll see, just... You'll see me stumbling from country to country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What she yeah. turned in? <gasps> you know what really pissed me off is the last time I was there is I was so pumped because I know it's so, like, nerdy and it was so dark and weird. But I used to love the Scandinavian boat ride that they had. And I was like, hell yeah, like I'm going to go on that Scandinavian boat ride. It's going to go through Norway and Sweden. Like I'm really into Scandinavian, like Norwegian black metal. So I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to go check it out. And they turned it into uh, the Frozen ride. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) And it was so cool before because like, (laughs) it it, it was like, I don't know if you guys have ever been on the Peter Pan ride, but it was similar to that. And kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean too, where it's like dark and really moody and it's like they're showing you Norway and Sweden and it's harsh and like desolate and bleak and there's like burning churches. Yeah, there's <laughs> like a really good Disney ride, right? And I can understand why they completely changed it because yeah. like when we went, it's like fucking frozen and then you know, it's like, Oh yeah, well that ride was pretty dark, I guess. Okay, it makes sense. So you didn't want to sing Let It Go with Elsa? Come on. <laughs> oh, no, he did. <laughs> I, yeah. I never said I didn't go on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No, like but, I um, 
people who go to Disney parks are awesome and they'll always stop and say, what's your favorite thing to do? What's your favorite? Like everybody has a favorite thing and they want to share it. And yeah. I find that community is very welcoming and fun. And I've, I've enjoyed posting, you know, probably boring everybody in the comic industry with all my pictures, but it's so much fun for me and I love going. So I'm never going to stop doing that. I'm just, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the old lady who's like running around getting drunk in, in Epcot. We're, so we're many very... comic creators are big fans of uh, of theme parks like that. Like, uh, well, Scott yeah. Snyder used to work at Disney. Josh Williamson loves parks, going to them, and wrote. Uh, you know, he's now writing a comic that's based on theme parks, but a horror one. That's cool. It's a, it's a big thing with comic creators is uh, these parks. Yeah, something about you guys and theme parks. You yeah. guys, you people, you you was guys. You got to say y'all. <laughs> um, I'm I'm happy to hear that you haven't had any kind of negative interactions with uh, anybody at Disney. Did you hear about several years ago about the uh, downtown? I don't know. Is it? It was the Main Street Disney gangs that were getting into it with each other. No. Um, so there was there was a whole controversy because I remember seeing a lot more of them about ten years ago, and, and it's that you still see them here every once in a while. I'm not sure if Disneyland banned them at one point, but there used to be this big thing where people would like. Join join social clubs. They would make Disney social clubs, and they'd wear like like they make it yeah, like biker games. Yeah, patch <laughs> patch jackets and denim jackets, and they really put they put their yeah they put their they put their, their their names on it. It was like you know Goof Troop, or it's like uh, Disney's Angels or whatever. And it's like they looked like biker gangs, but it was Disney. And at one point, Lord. they started like getting into beefs with each other to the point where there was an article that came out one year where it said that one group wanted to have a birthday party on Main Street and they were getting extorted for money by a different group that was threatening to, like, have something bad happen if they didn't pay a certain amount of money for protection. What? Yeah. That is crazy. I, I just picture them walking, tw- dancing towards each other, snapping their fingers for a confrontation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might have to, I might have to cut this part out. Maybe that whole story. That would be an amazing story for, like, a I book think- or a comic. Blake needs yeah. to write that story. I was going to say. Yeah. There's the somebody to write it. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be super yeah. dope. <laughs> Blake, you come on here thinking that you're just going to promote your show. I know, We're I giving know. you ideas. That's right. Maybe All not good them. ones. But maybe <laughs> <they're nonetheless>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're great ideas. I love it. Well, those ones you could just sell the rights to and then just, you know, it's okay. You do whatever you want. Yeah, I did that. But, but yeah. Oh gosh, that's so funny. I didn't, I've never heard of that before. Um, I mean, there is a lot of underground stuff that, you know, it's like for people in the know, you know, kind of, I guess, especially if you are a resident for there, a lot of people are YouTubers or bloggers and they're residents of the area and they go all the time and they're blogging all the time. And I know that, you know, they have, I guess, what do you call it? Like a year pass or whatever. Um, I mean, those people must know a lot more about what the ins and outs of what's going on. Do you follow any of like the the food channels that do like the Disney food treats and stuff? They keep tabs I on do. like what's. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it. Yes, I knew of it. course they do because you know yeah. you want to know what all the good treats are. Yep. You want to know what's coming out when you're going. There's like certain festivals on, right? So what yeah. Do, oh, what do we have to try? What do we want to do? Um, I'm I'm a huge yeah. I research way too much stuff like that. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's what makes it good. You know, that's how you know it's good stuff, but. Um, I have a question for you guys. Um, 
So the Blue Beetle trailer dropped today, and there was a Batman reference in it. And I think we need to discuss this. Have you guys watched it? Yeah. Batman's a fascist. I saw that. What do you guys think about this? Uh, George Lopez is like the stinky, like rocker uncle. Is that what he is? I think. Yeah. So it. This is. I don't know. Yeah, I saw the trailer. I don't know. It's this whole direction of movies. I don't know. <laughs> so for everyone who hasn't seen it, the Blue Beetle is like you know the Blue Iron Man or whatever, and it's a fun trailer. But at the end, the Blue Beetle's uncle says Batman is a fascist. Yeah. So I was just like kind of blown away by that. I was like, this is such a bizarre line of dialogue to throw in there, right? Yep. <laughs> um, it's, it's surprising that it's in a DC film, but it's definitely not the first time it has been said. No. But no. Yeah, I, I was surprised to hear it in uh, in the trailer, too. Usually it's from, like, everyone who hates, like, DC or Batman that is saying it. Yeah. So yeah. the thing that got me is, like, we know that Bruce Wayne is a billionaire, who is really Batman, but to like the characters inside the universe, Batman is just like an urban legend or something, right? He's like someone who fights villains. He's kind of this shadowy um, figure in Gotham. So that's why I was confused. Cause I'm like, there would be no reason for anyone to think he's some like authoritarian political figure or something, or even wealthy. He could be anybody. So I, was just really I, I guess just from the standpoint of, you know, he uses uh, violence to enforce law and all this stuff. And... I guess, like, technically, in the, in it, are they still using Ben Affleck's Batman? Because as, that's, as of now, he's still kind of that the DCU Batman. No, because yeah. that's so confusing, Blake. Because, like, all this, because it's a James Gun it's under the James Gunn umbrella, but it was created, the movie was already written. It was already, and, yeah, it's grandfathered it in. Yeah, so it's technically not under his umbrella, but it's so weird. It's just like, um, yeah, because I'm like, okay, well, what ba- what version of Batman are they talking about? Is it Ben Affleck that they're talking about? Because it, it have to be because because it's you know, BVS, and it I could see it was already written back then. It was already right. filmed back then, and yeah, I mean, you know, Batman, the the Affleck Batman, kind of was, you know, in a way. And I'll be honest, Blake, things are getting so bad. I kind of don't mind that uh, <laughs> someone just kind of takes control and 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 you know starts cleaning this place up. To be honest. Um, <laughs> So it's okay by me, you know. If, I don't know. Uh, I, just, I was just confused because I felt like, well, you could label that every superhero everywhere. They all use yeah. violence to fight crime and evils. So then, by that definition, every superhero would be, you know, would be that definition of a fascist. Yeah. So it just didn't make sense to me. But it's all it's all Garth Ennis's fault because <laughs> he he opened that whole can. Was it the boys? Mm. Right. It was bo- the boys, right? That he did. Mm-hmm. For, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of the whole premise of the boys, yeah. which I, does it so well. Yes, you love know. the boys. Yeah, that show has gotten so crazy big. Uh, oh yeah. Like, what What was that stat that came out? Like it had uh, had more streaming minutes than any of the Marvel or DC shows. No way. Like, yeah. Wow. Well, I guess it's well, like Carl Urban is like crazy big famous and good for so him. Good. Man. I don't know. How, yeah. Like, how much time do you spend like in the city around Toronto? Do you ever see them shooting scenes for the boys? Because that, that's where they shoot it all. I, I mean, I haven't seen them shooting, but when I'm watching the show, I can definitely identify like, oh, that's Nathan Phillips Square right there, or like I can see where they are, like I know which street they're on. Um, you know, I'm sure you can. You tell or like, yeah, I recognize some places, and uh, 
the weekend of Fan Expo, when I saw you at the con there, yes. uh, uh, at the hotel, they were there was one ballroom of the hotel that was closed off all weekend that you oh. can normally see. Normally, it's accessible. You know, by a library bar in the Fairmont. Right. Uh, so there's a ballroom just past that. That you know, typically if there if it's not empty, there's you know maybe a wedding or something going on. But that particular weekend, there were all these black curtains uh, built up there, completely blocking off the area. Like you could still get into library bar, but past that was all blocked off. But in between these curtains, you could sort of see parts of you know all this various gear and things like that. And then uh, one night. I happened to be going through the lobby when people started filing out of that room and all the men were wearing like uh, suits and ties, the women were wearing like gowns, you know, dressy clothes like that and a bunch of the people had uh, stickers on their shoulders that were like sort of American political rally looking things. So I see all these people coming out and I happened to be there at just the right time to see uh, Jim Beaver come out, the actor. So like oh that's that's what they're doing they're they're shooting the boys here yeah mm. oh it's very obvious when you see it on the show like oh okay they're in Toronto um but it's cool to see like I mean they do such a good job I'm I'm such a big fan of that show so love it mm. we uh, we want to keep in mind I know you got you got to get going yourself Blake but uh, we want to remind everybody um, the comic for final order cut off is when Robin. Uh, what did you say the date was, Blake? I, it's I, April 17th. Uh, there we go. Yes. April 17th for the North Valley Grimoire. And then the actual book comes out in May. First, May first issue. Yeah. On What Not Publishing. Very awesome. So um, the the actual novel is available. I think you can get it off Amazon, can't you? I think yeah. You can, yeah. Yeah, it's available. And you can do it. Um, there's a physical book. You can do the Kindle slash, you know, whatever the... the uh, there's an audio book I saw. There's an audio book of it, too. Yes, I had a great um, uh, character uh, reader, Linnea Sage, and she did such an incredible job. And um, the audiobook is fantastic, of mm. course. If you like audiobooks, I would suggest it because she did an incredible job. Mm. But you don't have to, if you if you haven't read it yet, you do not have to to get into the comic, which is nice. Because yes. a lot of people sometimes just want to you know dip into the medium is um, in that way. So. But super exciting. I mean, I'm really excited for this specific book because I like the book so much, and I'm inter- interested to see how the visuals kind of uh, complement the writing. So, congrats to you, Blake. Thanks for coming on and talking to us too about it. Yes, thank oh, you. Of course. Thank yeah, you guys thanks. so much for having me. It's been so much fun, and yeah. I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks about it. So, yeah, let me know after. And um, you guys are awesome. Had thank a great you. chat. And we'll have to have you back when more things come out that you are able to talk about. Yes. To talk about that stuff, too. For sure. I'll come back anytime. All right. All right. All right, everybody. Back for us over and out.